And welcome back. This is Baller Scuba with the second Scuba Cast. This is a little late coming out. I do apologize for that, uh, but that is going to be the topic of the wild card today. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with how the Scuba Cast works, there's pretty much three parts to it. We're going to start with one or two news topics that interested me uh, between uh, Scuba Casts. Then we're going to go into the second thing, which is. The main topic uh, today that is going to be superhero saturation. How much is too much and have we gotten there yet? Uh, the third topic is going to be a wild card. Uh, the third part, just whatever I feel like this time. And this time it feels right to talk about why this didn't come out a little bit sooner and why, well, what's been going on in my life that led to that. So we're going to talk about those three things today. Before we get underway, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about the comments that I got uh, from the first Scuba Cast. Most of the comments were about one of the news topics that I brought up, which was that the World Health Organization, who is going to list video game addiction as a mental disorder. Uh, and I was talking about how that does sound good, but it could lead to bad things. Most people were on the positive side of that. This is a good thing, and they don't necessarily think that it's going to lead to too many parents taking away video games unnecessarily and things like that. And it's good that people that do have disorders when it comes to being addicted to video games are now going to be able to get treatment, or at least there's going to be more information out there regarding their treatment. So, that seems to be where people were on the last ScubaCast. Today, we do have just one news topic, but I feel like it is a big one, so we're going to spend some time on it. The news topic that I wanted to talk about today is that Toys R Us is closing down. Uh, this is something that I could probably talk about for the entire ScubaCast, but we're going to try to limit it to the first topic today. Uh, so let's do a little bit of history about Toys R Us. Uh, they were founded in 1948, but the modern incarnation pretty much started in 1957. Uh, in 1969, they got their mascot, Jeffrey the Giraffe. That lasted throughout the rest of the company's lifespan. Um, in the 90s, it dominated the toy sector. It was the biggest name in toy stores in America, pretty much throughout the entire 90s. Uh, it expanded out to Kids R Us and Babies R Us. Kids R Us went out of business a while ago. Babies R Us was still going uh, when it went out, uh, but even though it expanded, it was dominating the toy store market, it started losing uh, towards the later, the later 90s, and it lost first to Walmart in 1998. Walmart started selling more toys than Toys R Us in 1998, and Toys R Us never bounced back. Toys R Us opened up a website in 1998, uh, but there was a big fiasco with the Christmas sales in 1999. They didn't deliver all their gifts on time. So if you bought a toy from ToysRUs.com and you were expecting it to get to you by Christmas, they failed to deliver on that. I think that's a huge deal. And a lot of times people don't go back if you don't deliver on time, especially for Christmas. Uh, in 2000, they signed an agreement with Amazon 
so that Amazon's exclusive toy supplier was going to be Toys R Us. If you wanted to buy a toy on Amazon, it was going to come to you from Toys R Us. This was supposed to last for 10 years. Obviously it didn't. Amazon didn't keep their side of the contract pretty much from the get-go. It did not last long. Uh, Amazon said that Toys R Us did not sell a large enough variety. So they decided that they were going to explore other options than just having Toys R Us as the sole supplier. Toys R Us then tried to relaunch the chain in 2000, but most people say that didn't work out. Uh, then in 2005, already they're not doing so well, but in 2005, there's what was known as a leveraged buyout, a, a group of investors that had a majority of the stock in the company because it was a publicly traded company, bought out the remainder of the stock and made the company private. Uh, this was not a good idea for them. Uh, the main reason for that is because there was no there was no investment of capital into the company. Basically, they used a loan on the company's equity and paid off the stockholders with it. So all of a sudden there was a $5 billion debt that the company owed starting in 2005 that they still couldn't pay off because they didn't get any money coming in. They basically just got a $5 billion bill with nothing to show for it. Uh, they were still paying $400 million a year on this debt when they filed for bankruptcy. They never paid it off. And that was in 2005. In 2006, Toys R Us sued Amazon uh, because Amazon did not stick to the agreement. Toys R Us actually won that, uh, but they only won $51 million. That's not enough to even pay off that debt that they just got. Not even that one year debt that they just got. So that really did not help the company as much as they should have gotten. Uh, or at least wanted to get. Uh, they only wanted 93 million though, so they got over half of what they wanted. Uh, in 2011, because they were starting to go downhill, they started making integrated stores. So Toys R Us and Babies R Us were now part of the same store instead of two separate locations. In 2013, they were still the largest standalone toy store chain in the world. Toys R Us was still the largest toy store chain in the world. They were only selling toys and they were the biggest company that was only selling toys. But in 2014, they transformed again, uh, basically trying to increase customer satisfaction because people weren't happy at Toys R Us. I'll go over more of that later. Uh, but they wanted to increase customer satisfaction both in the store and online. But if we're being honest, I don't think I ever went to ToysRUs.com. Uh, they officially bought, filed for bankruptcy in September 2017. So this has kind of been an ongoing process. Remember that when you declare bankruptcy, that does not mean your company closes down. That pretty much just says, hey, I don't have any money. So all these people that have loaned me money in the past, can you tell them to go away? That's what bankruptcy basically is. And they started restructuring 
as a result of their bankruptcy. So they said they would close more stores and they would liquidate some of their inventory and some of what they had in terms of value. Uh, that went on for months until March 2018, they announced a full closure and liquidation of the company. That's it, we're done here. They blame e-commerce, uh, especially Amazon, uh, no surprises there, Walmart and Target. They say that those three companies are basically the reason that Toys R Us went under. Uh, there are efforts to keep it open. I should mention these. I believe it was a GoFundMe, uh, but these are from sources outside the company itself. The company's official policy is we're closing down. Uh, there's all of these things that go along with that when it comes to gift cards and um, any kind of warranty that they might have sold. Uh, but pretty much in a couple months, I believe it was, that everything is done. Toys R Us is officially done and there is no coming back from that. So Toys R Us is closing down. This was supposedly a big part of my childhood. Uh, everybody seems to be talking about it that way as if it was a huge deal that Toys R Us is closing down. So I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but before I get into my analysis of all this, I wanted to talk about my personal experiences with Toys R Us because they seem to be drastically different than other people's. So there was pretty much one Toys R Us where I lived when I was growing up. Uh, the Toys R Us was probably about 20 to 30 minutes away. Um, that is a huge deal where I live. That means there aren't very many Toys R Us stores. Uh, for the record, now there's probably about 10 Walmarts within a 20 to 30 minute radius of where I live. Easily. Uh, probably like 20 Targets too. But there was only one Toys R Us. And it wasn't a bad location. Uh, the companies that bought out that space where Toys R Us is have gone out of business like three or four times. It's just a rotation. It is not a good location. It was out of the way, and that was the only place where Toys R Us was. As a result, I didn't like going there. I, I did not have fun going to Toys R Us. I know a lot of people did have fun. We had different experiences. Uh, let me explain why I didn't have fun other than, you know, it was a long drive. Uh, but they were not in good locations. I feel like I have to point that out. They did not choose wisely where to put Toys R Us stores. Uh, but the biggest reason for me was there were no samples. Uh, I feel like with Toys R Us being kind of the higher end, they, I remember them being more expensive than other toy stores. With them being the higher end toy store, you kind of expect some sort of service to differentiate them from their competition. So when you go into the store and there's no samples for you to play with, it's a little bit of a, a downgrade. I remember a lot of toy stores growing up would have some sample, just something that they threw out there, hey, let the kids play with this. And it's been there for months. It doesn't look good anymore, but hey, they got to play with the toy. Toys R Us didn't do that, at least not where I was. They did not allow you to touch anything in the store. Uh, they did have a couple consoles that you could play, but I only remember two consoles, and every time I went in, 
they were being played. So I never actually got to play a video game inside of Toys R Us, uh, but I do remember that they never had a good game on there. Uh, for whatever reason, the one that stands out to me right now is uh, Jurassic Park for, I believe, the, the Genesis, uh, which, great, is not a bad game. It's not a terrible game by any means, but it definitely wasn't a game that was going to sell you the console. And that was the game that they were letting you try in the store. And it was that for probably a year or two. Uh, this was probably just a badly run Toys R Us, but this was my experience with them. This was the only Toys R Us around. Um, everything in the store, though, essentially was a sample. You couldn't touch it. It wasn't a sample for you to play with or a sample for you to try out before you buy. It was just a sample for display. So if I wanted a... a Bicycle, for instance, we would go to the bike rack and there would be bikes assembled, uh, but we were not allowed to take them down and, and try them out. Uh, we also had to wait forever for anybody to come over and answer any questions that we might have. The customer service there was terrible. The store was empty most of the time. Uh, it was just maybe us and three or four other families looking around and Employees were pretty much nowhere to be found. Um, but the way that it worked, at least in this store, was everything had a, a slip of paper uh, in a little pouch. And you would grab the slip of paper, take it up front, and then they would give you the thing that you wanted. This is a long experience. So I go out, I'm looking for a video game, Sometimes I knew what I wanted, sometimes I didn't. But if I didn't know, I would just stand there looking basically at names. Uh, uh, with the video games especially, it was just this white board uh, with all these pouches st stacked on it. And all you could see was the front cover. Uh, they had a printout of the front cover of the game, like the actual game box. And then if you flipped it over, you could see the back cover of the game box. So I would stand there and flip, trying to figure out which one of these games I wanted. And then I would grab the slip, take it up front and hope for the best. Because nobody was out there helping me decide what video games I wanted. Compare that to GameStop, which I know has a lot of bad things I could say about it. There are a lot of bad things to say about GameStop. But at the end of the day, if I asked them, is this a good game, I could get someone's honest opinion. At Toys R Us, when I was growing up, if I asked them, what do you think about this game? They would just kind of stare at me like, I haven't played it. I have no idea. They were not knowledgeable. They were not helpful. They pretty much were there to fill your order like a factory worker. So it was not fun. If I had my choice, I would send my parents to Toys R Us to get me the toy that I wanted. I would just show them a picture and I would say, this is the one that I want. Please go get this for me. And at that point, it's not a fun experience. It's more like a grocery store. That's probably the best way that I can describe it. Do kids like things that are at the grocery store? Sure they do. They like specific things. I want this, I want that. Um, but do they want to go to the grocery store? No. Why? Because they're just sitting there waiting to get the thing that they want. So 
you ask your mom to get you the sugary cereal. You don't just go there to get it yourself. That's how Toys R Us was for me. I didn't want to go. I did not have fun while I was there. I often had bad experiences with the stuff that I got from there. So it wasn't fun. And so when they say e-commerce is the reason that they went out of business, I kind of have to laugh. It was poor customer service. You guys really did not care about us. It was pretty much an online experience in the 90s. You see a picture, you say, I want that thing, and somebody gives you that thing. They were already doing what Amazon was doing just in person. Amazon is the same way, right? I go online, I see what people, I see a picture, and I go, I want that thing. And then a couple days later, I have it on my doorstep. Toys R Us was pretty much operating the same way, except that you had to go there. So it was never a fun experience, but it was still the most expensive of all the toy stores out there. They couldn't compete on pricing and they couldn't compete on customer service as well. Like if I had a choice, I would probably rather go to Best Buy than Toys R Us. And I don't like going to Best Buy. So to nobody's surprise, as soon as other toy and video game stores started popping up, we never really went back to Toys R Us. Uh, I found a video game store. I found a toy store. I found a board game store. Uh, Target and Walmart were opening up, and it was more fun. It was more fun for me to go to Target or Walmart than it was to go to Toys R Us. Um, I'm seeing people talk about this now, that it's closing, the Toys R Us stores, and they're talking about fun experiences that I never had. Um, I should point out that I live in an incredibly populated area. My city alone, the city where Toys R Us, this Toys R Us was located, there are 300,000 people in this town alone. The next town over has 150,000. The other town over has 150,000. The other one has 200,000. There are a ton of people here. For them to just have one store and for it to be that bad for us to go to, it really is not a surprise to me that Toys R Us went out. They say that pretty much no store can survive with just brick and mortar anymore. I disagree. They were handled poorly. They were managed poorly. Toys R Us deserved to go out. And it hurts me to say that because I remember the jingle. Everybody remembers the jingle. I want to be a, I'm a Toys R Us kid, right? I don't want to grow up, but they never changed. That wasn't supposed to be the company policy that they don't want to grow up. Granted, bad things happened to them. In 2005, they suddenly got $5 billion of debt. They never really recovered from that. And they needed to invest into a good online presence at the time. They needed to compete with Amazon. They needed to compete with Walmart and Target.com. And they never were able to do that. Their online uh, store was growing up until I believe 2016 was the last time they reported anything. But they were still growing when it comes to online presence. But it wasn't enough. They were making sales, but they just couldn't compete with the bigger people because they didn't put in the proper investment when they needed to because they suddenly had this enormous debt that they could never get out from under. That was one of several problems, but that debt is huge. 
That is a main reason why I think they went out. Uh, so goodbye, Toys R Us. Uh, I can't say that I will miss you that much. I haven't been into one of your stores in over a decade. It just wasn't fun for me. So as soon as I found other things, I went there. And I know that I'm not alone with that. I, I would talk to people and ask them, how, when was the last time you went to a Toys R Us? They couldn't answer the question. They had no idea. It had been years for them as well. So that's what happened with Toys R Us. Those are my thoughts about it. Uh, I know that this is something that is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. But if you had a different experience in different parts of the country, let me know. But for us, it was basically a, a, a warehouse store that we would go into, like a Costco, where this is the thing I want. Please give me this thing. Okay, bye. That was, that was Toys R Us. It wasn't fun. All right. With that said, it is time to move on to our main topic, which is superhero saturation. Now, this is something that I came up with because I like the alliteration in it, but I don't want to give you the conclusion that I've well, I don't want to lead you to think that I've already made the conclusion that there is too much. Uh, just like I did with Toys R Us, we're going to go over facts first, and then I'm going to go over my opinion at the end. But just because I call it superhero saturation does not mean I've made my decision yet. I'm making a case, though. Uh, so let's talk about superhero saturation. There are a ton of superhero movies, TV shows, and, of course, comics that are coming out all at once, it seems. So I did the math on this kind of stuff. So let's start with DC. And we'll talk about what they have done over the years, how things have changed, and what the perception of that seems to be in the general public. Uh, the way that I want to start is by starting where they kind of relaunched. Uh, as far as I can tell, they kind of relaunched in 2004. And I know that's not a good place to start because they only did one movie and it was Catwoman. But they had not made a superhero movie in the previous six years. So their first movie in seven years about a superhero was the Catwoman movie with Halle Berry. That was not good. That was one of the worst superhero films I've ever seen. So that's not a good place for them to start. So let's give them some credit here and say that they started in 2005, uh, which was when Batman Begins came out. Also when Constantine went, came out, but we'll focus on Batman Begins because it felt like a full relaunch then. Uh, 2006, they came out with two movies. Those were v for, v for Vendetta and Superman Returns. 2007, they took off. Uh, 2008, The Dark Knight came out. 2009, it was Watchmen. 2010, it was The Losers and Jonah Hex. Those were... The 2011, they came out with Green Lantern. That was... 2012, they came out with The Dark Knight Rises. That was that was okay. Uh, 2013, Man of Steel. All right, you're, you're doing okay. 2014, 2015, no movies. 2016, this is kind of when they really stepped it up when it comes to the live-action superhero films, which is what we're talking about right now. They did Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad, and they advertised the hell out of those. They were trying to get 
everybody excited about a shared universe. Uh, that's going to be a main topic that we talk about pretty soon, but right now we're just talking about the movies. Uh, 2017, they did Wonder Woman and Justice League. In 2018, they only have one scheduled movie, and that's Aquaman. So overall, not too many movies, right? When it comes to the live-action superhero films, they pretty much did zero, one, or two. They never did more than two. So when it comes to DC and the live-action stuff, they're not really saturating the market all that much. Um, but we'll just keep going for now. The animated films, I'm not going to list them all because there are too many. And that's probably not a good sign. Uh, including the Lego movies. Uh, in 2004 and 2005, there were zero and one. Um, up until 2008, they were still sticking with one to two animated films every year. 2009, though, they started doing three. That lasted until 2012, so four years in a row where they just did three movies. Ever since then, it's pretty much always been growing. In 2013, they made four. In 2014, they made five. In 2015, seven. 2016, nine. 2017, they took a little dip. They went back to seven. But in 2018, including the ones that are scheduled to come out this year, we're talking a total of 10 animated DC superhero films, including the Lego movies, which some people don't count. I'm going to throw them in there because they are still superheroes, right? Superheroes are still in that. Um, the animated films, I haven't seen much of. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I also haven't seen too many of the recent uh, DC uh, superhero films. I saw Wonder Woman, and that was pretty much the only thing I've seen since 2012. Uh, I really liked Wonder Woman. It was one of the best ones, the best DC films that I had seen, but I haven't seen the ones that I, were, I was told were bad, like the Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League. I was told they were bad. Uh, I haven't even seen Man of Steel. I heard mixed opinions on that one, but... The animated films, they more closely resemble what are in the comic books. I was listing them out for a little bit, and I noticed a lot of names were big name stories that were done in comic books, particularly in the late 80s, which was throwing me off. Late 80s, uh, 1990, maybe even 1991, uh, they were kind of borrowing that era of comic book to turn into animated films. Uh, and... For the most part, I think that they are just trying to focus on the comic book fan with the animated films, and the live-action films are going for the much more mainstream audience. But overall, their movies have had mixed success, to put it kind of nicely. Uh, in terms of money coming in, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises broke a billion dollars. At the same time, those are the only two that did they had big budget big box office hopes but they did not deliver on the big box office the way that marvel did and we'll go into marvel in a bit but they did have two movies that broke a billion dollars that's a huge achievement on the other side though this is going to be a long list and granted some of these are older uh but Catwoman, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, Jonah Hex, and Steel lost money. They actually lost money making these films. Some of them, there's no surprises there. Catwoman, Superman 4, and Jonah Hex, I've seen. Yeah, they lost money. Um, 
Outside of Jonah Hex, though, uh, the movies since 2005 have all been profitable. Jonah Hex kind of was the exception to that. Uh, reviews have not always been the best. Uh, Wikipedia did this very nicely for me. DC averages as a whole in the entire DC franchise's movie history, they averaged a 71 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 63 on Metacritic, which is not bad. That's not bad. That's pretty average on the gooder, gooder side. Yes, on the gooder side. On the good side, it's middle to good, which isn't bad. But considering how much money that they're pouring into these films, for them to not be raking in more money kind of says that they're not necessarily doing these films the right way. But now we have to talk about TV shows because TV shows are possibly where people start looking at how many superheroes are out there and saying this is too much. Uh, when it comes to the movies, they seem relatively okay with it, a little annoyed, but as soon as you start lumping in the, the TV shows and saying that you have to follow these as, as well, that's when it becomes a little bit more of a problem. And DC has a ton of TV shows. We'll start in 2004, right at the time. Uh, Smallville was the only live-action one, but they still had uh, Static Shock, Justice League, Teen Titans, Justice League Unlimited, and The Batman coming out. Uh, that would pretty much stick around until 2007 uh, when it was just Smallville, uh, The Batman, and Legion of Superheroes, another animated film coming out. Then there was the short-lived... Uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, well, not really short-lived, it lasted four years, and I've heard good things about it, but it was really the only thing that was going with Smallville in 2009, so for a little bit, that was it. You had Batman and you had Superman, and nobody else was on television at the time. If we go back to movies in 2009, they had Watchmen coming out, uh, they also had three animated films coming out, but in terms of television shows, it was Batman and it was Superman. And that was it. But I would say that things really started picking up in 2012. Uh, that's when Arrow first started. Smallville went off the air, and it pretty much got replaced with Arrow. Now, Arrow was a new superhero for a lot of people. The Green Arrow was kind of always hidden in the back. He wasn't always a big-name superhero. So for them to focus so hard on Arrow was revolutionary a bit. A bit. That might be a strong word for it, though. But they kept on expanding the real-life series after that. They kept on going with the animated series, Green Lantern, Beware the Batman, uh, Young Justice, Teen Titans Go. Those were all coming out. But then 2014, they really start stepping it up. So they also added Constantine, The Flash, and Gotham. Then in 2015, they added iZombie and Supergirl. Uh, 2016, they added Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, and Preacher. Uh, in 2017, they added Powerless. That didn't last long, though. Uh, 2018, though, that's when it starts getting insane. Uh, including animated, film, animated TV shows, we're looking at 15 television shows that are going on. We're looking at, the, we're looking at Arrow, The Flash, Gotham, iZombie, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Lucifer, Preacher, Black Lightning, and Krypton. I believe those are all of the live-action ones. 
Then we have Titans, which I'm not sure if that one's live action. I believe that is animated. Uh, Young Justice, Teen Titans Go, Justice League Action, and DC Superhero Girls. That's 15 shows all about a group of superheroes. I'm not saying that they're restricting it, but there aren't that many superheroes that they're going with. Uh, they have two things about Teen Titans, for instance. One called Titans, one called Teen Titans Go. Uh, we have Supergirl and Krypton, which is pretty much the Superman extended universe, so to speak. Uh, we have Justice League, which is going to have a lot of these characters in it. It's going to have Green Arrow, possibly, depending on which, which way they go with it. They're going to have The Flash. They're going to have Batman. They're going to have Supergirl, or well, at least Superman, in it. Uh, that's the thing with Justice League shows. You never know who's going to be in it, usually week to week. DC has so many anim well, so many TV shows in general that they're planning on going their own route with a digital service. Uh, they're going to go for Titans. The TV show Titans is only going to be distributed on their digital service. So now you're going to have to pay DC directly in order to watch this television show. Uh, this list, though, including 15 television shows this year, does not even include the online content that they were publishing on, I believe, both their site and YouTube. Um, I, I didn't want to go into that because there were too many TV shows as it was for me. Uh, but they know that they have a lot out there, and they're starting to think that they need their own distribution process in order to keep track of all of the shows. All of this doesn't even count how many comic books are being published. You have to remember that comic books are where superheroes started, it's where the newest stories are, and they're still going. I mean, they relaunched everything in 2012 with the new 52. Um, I, I don't know much, I haven't read the comics, but they just relaunched it, they finished that, and are going a different route, and there's all these TV shows and movies for you to watch. They are flooding the market, it seems like. How many comics they're actually publishing a month, though? I couldn't get a straight answer. I couldn't find any information anywhere that just gave me a list of all of the comics that came out in any given month from DC Comics. Based on what I can find, though, it seems like they're doing about 50 a month, uh, which is not too surprising to me. They've been doing 50 a month for a long, long time, for decades. So around 50 a month seems to be where they are. Granted, they are not all superheroes in their comics, but we are still talking about at least one comic a day if you want to keep up with what DC is publishing in terms of comic books. So... That's DC. That's what DC's been up to. Remember, they're pretty much a little bit less than half of the comic books that are coming out. I'd say Marvel is a little bit bigger than them, especially right now. Uh, but there is an indie scene as well. They're much smaller. They're, they have a presence, though. Um, for this, though, I'm really just talking about superheroes, so I'm kind of sticking to DC and Marvel. I know there are superheroes that are in other... Uh, publishers kind of universe not all of them have a universe but there are other superheroes out there from other publishers but in terms of what the mainstream um, 
audience is looking at, it's pretty much DC and Marvel. Those are the only two. So those are the ones that I'm trying to focus on because I'm trying to talk about public perception here instead of just for you as a fan, somebody that's already involved in the superheroes. So that's DC. Let's move on to Marvel. Marvel was a little bit more of a, a difficult thing for me to kind of gauge when they really picked it up, right? They didn't have a stretch like DC did where they weren't making movies. Um, so I, I pretty much started in 1998 because that was the first one that stuck around. They weren't, it wasn't just a movie that was a one-off and then everybody forgot about it. In 1998, they came out with Blade, right? 2000 was the X-Men movie. And then 2002 was Blade 2 and Spider-Man. So I'm going to say that Blade is where they kind of started with that. They were kind of picking up on the, the vampire craze at the time. And they said, hey, we have a vampire hunter. Let's use him and make it cool. Make it Wesley Snipes and forget to pay taxes. But in 1998, they started 2000. That's when X-Men started. Remember, they weren't really in charge of what they were doing back then. So the quality of those movies is a little bit more hit and miss, I would say. Uh, and that still kind of goes on right now. We'll go over that in a bit, though. So let's continue with the movies. Uh, 1999, 2001, there wasn't anything. 1998, Blade, 2000, X-Men. 2002, Blade 2, Spider-Man. 2003, Daredevil. X2 and Hulk that's not the last time we're going to see a Hulk one either uh, I honestly get the two mixed up between uh, the two Hulk movies I believe 2003 was the one um, I want to say that was the Edward Norton one either way I didn't like either one of the Hulk movies uh, 2004 was The Punisher people forget that one existed uh, which is probably not a good sign Spider-Man 2 and Blade Trinity which ended Blade, so obviously that one wasn't too great. Spider-Man 2, though, that was that was good. A lot of people liked that one. The Punisher, people forgot. Uh, 2005, Elektra and Fantastic Four. Now, I actually liked the Fantastic Four movie in 2005. I had fun with it, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was a great movie, but I had fun. I liked it okay. Uh, Elektra, on the other hand, I didn't like. Then again, I didn't like the first Daredevil movie either. Uh, 2006, it was just X-Men The Last Stand. But that was not the last X-Men movie. In 2007, we had Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, and Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. All of those were not considered great movies. They have their fans. There were people that said these movies were fun and they liked them. But overall, the, the sentiment was they were not good movies. 2008, though, that's when they fully relaunched and when people start thinking about the modern superhero movies, it kind of starts in 2008 with Iron Man, which I really liked and it really did set up the universe in a great way. Uh, they also came out with an Incredible Hulk movie and a second Punisher movie called Punisher Warzone, but let's focus on the good, which is Iron Man. Uh, 2009, the other companies were still making Marvel movies. So we have X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was not good. I saw that one. I did not like it. 2010, they're back to the good stuff because they're in control. They're making it. So they got Iron Man 2 out. 2011, pretty good. We had Thor, 
X-Men First Class, which even though they didn't make, was pretty good. I liked it, at least. Captain America, the first Avenger. Once again, I liked it. And Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Let's pretend that didn't happen. 2012, though, that's, that's when it all came together. The Avengers. That was huge, and it really pushed the Marvel Cinematic Universe into the mainstream and everybody was paying attention. Oh, the Avengers, this was great. Let's do more of this. Uh, they also came out with the relaunched Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man, which was the second one in uh, second Spider-Man origin story in 10 years. Remember the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire came out in 2002. 2012, they did the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man, which was a little bit closer to the comic books, but not necessarily as well received because I feel the story wasn't as strong. I felt like Andrew Garfield was fine. He, he did a good job, but it, it just wasn't all coming together. And of course, we're doing another origin story, which was not necessarily what that franchise needed at that point. Uh, 2013, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. Once again, those were considered the good ones. And then The Wolverine, which, if I remember right, was not considered good. X-Men movies kind of seem to be good, bad, good, bad, and the Wolverine falls into the bad spot since First Class was good, so I'm going to assume that it was still bad, but I don't think I saw it. 2014, uh, they came out with a lot of good stuff. Uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy, those were well-received. Once again, Marvel was in charge of those. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, not so well-received. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, most people said was confusing. Considering the name alone, I believe them. Haven't seen that one, though. Uh, 2015, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, and the relaunched Fantastic Four. They just can't get a clean year, can they? It's good. Okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll give you good. And no. That's what happens all the time here. 2016, though. Deadpool, Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, and X-Men Apocalypse. They're putting out a solid group of movies but keep in mind there are four they have been making a lot of movies 2017 logan guardians of the galaxy volume 2 spider-man homecoming and thor ragnarok i've seen three of those i thought they were good i haven't seen logan but they're still putting out good movies just a lot of them in 2018 we're looking at a total of five movies black panther which already came out which was great. I saw it, and it was one of my favorite Marvel movies in a long, long time. The other four haven't come out yet. Avengers of Infinity War, Deadpool 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Venom. Ultimately, though, Marvel is really focusing on these movies. They're putting a lot of effort into these movies, especially when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm probably going to call that the MCU from now on because it's a mouthful. But starting in 2008, there were superheroes that were in the same universe and they linked up. So in order for you to follow what was going on in, uh, let's say, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, you had to know what happened in the Avengers movie that came out two years before. Now, DC tried to do this. Uh, with Batman versus Superman, you kind of had to know the Dark Knight and the Man of Steel story. Uh, for Justice League, you had to have watched uh, Wonder Woman and Batman versus Superman 
Aquaman, I assume, is going to need you to watch uh, Justice League first. But Wonder Woman was a good standalone. They're doing it to some extent in DC, but not to the same level that Marvel is. And I think Marvel is doing a great job with it, but there is a large volume of movies for people to watch. And for some people, it's too many. Because if you want to keep up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just when it comes to movies, we are talking about three, four movies. Four movies this year. Uh, I'm going to assume that Venom takes place in uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I believe it does. Uh, in 2017, we were talking about three movies. In 2016, we were talking about uh, two movies. 2015, we were talking about... I think they were trying to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe with some Fantastic Four, but at least two movies, maybe three. So to ask people to watch one movie every few months in order to keep up with the one same story is asking a lot of people that are not necessarily fans of superheroes just like the story, which I do know there are some people that go because they like certain characters or certain storylines, uh, but they are willing to skip certain movies and just have somebody fill them in on it. Uh, but that's not what Marvel wants. Marvel wants you to go see all of the MCU movies. With that said, of the movies that I listed, and I know it was an extensive list, but in the past, let's say 21 years, uh, well, we'll say 20, and we'll just say that Black Panther kind of is an add-on, uh, five of those movies have gone over a billion dollars. Um, the only one that lost money was the second Punisher Warzone movie. That was it. For all the movies they came out with, only one lost money. Uh, you could say that the Inhumans lost money. I didn't count it on my list uh, because it's more of a TV show. They just happened to show it in theaters as kind of a, a teaser, a promotion. Um, you could go to IMAX and watch the first two episodes of the Inhumans, I believe it was. I think it was two episodes. Uh, but... I'm not counting that as a movie because it was a TV show with a promotion, uh, but they probably lost money on that as well. The Inhumans was not well received. Um, overall, of all the movies that they've done, the reviews have been mixed. Uh, the later movies have been much better, um, better received, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe in particular has been a favorite of both audiences and many reviewers. I'm sure there are some out there that uh, don't like pretty much anything mainstream, but uh, it seems like the critics and the reviewers are on board with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They do like it uh, to some extent, and then the audiences are definitely still going to see these films. Um, the animated films that they're doing, uh, th they do exist. <laughs> Uh, Marvel does make animated films. It's just not very often. Um, they only made two in 2006. In 2005, there was nothing. Before then, there was nothing. 2006, they started and they only made two. Um, they made two in 20, 2007, two. 2008 to 2011, they made one. 2012, they skipped. Uh, 2013, three. 2014, four. And then they dropped it back down. 2015 is now two. 2016 and 17, they only made one. 2018, they're making two. That includes the Lego films. They're, Lego really is coming out on top when it comes to all this. But they are making animated films. Marvel is. It's just not as prevalent. 
uh, mostly because when people think of Marvel films, they think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and these are not included in that because Robert Downey Jr. is not in it. Um, but they do exist. They're there. They're just not that popular. But the TV shows, once again, is where it just feels like there's too many. Um, let's kind of skip ahead here uh, because I have been ta listing them for a long, long time. Um, there were a lot of animated shows. They did animated TV shows pretty much about the same pace that DC did. But things picked up for them in 2013 when it comes to TV shows. That's when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. It's integral to it. Uh, if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know I, I have actually been keeping up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sometimes you'll have to pause watching or binge watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to go watch one of the movies to understand what they're talking about in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's all part of the shared universe. It's an interesting way to go about it. And that started in 2013. And that was the only live action TV show that they were doing. That did change in 2015 when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got a spinoff in Agent Carter. But at the same time, they also added Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Uh, meanwhile, there are four other animated shows going on, but there were five right? No, sorry, there were five animated shows and four live action shows in 2015 alone, and all four live action shows were part of the MCU. In 2016, they added Luke Cage to the list. So now there are, let me double check my math here, there are five live action shows that you need to watch in order to keep up with the MCU. It's all one shared universe. Granted, the movies don't often reference the television shows, but it's all considered part of the same story. In 2017, they exploded. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was still going. Agent Carter stopped, but Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, the Defenders miniseries, Legion, Iron Fist, Inhumans, The Gifted, The Punisher, and Runaways. Those are all live action. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's eleven television shows that were going. And I believe that eight of them were in the MCU. On top of that, they still had animated shows going by the name of Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Assemble, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel Future Avengers, Spider-Man, Big Hero 6, the series. In 2018, they're sticking with that number, 17 total shows. And they've, they canceled a couple. So in 2018, we're looking at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Legion, Iron Fist, Inhumans, The Gifted, The Punisher, and Runaways. I... There's also Cloak and Dagger, but I believe that's animated. Um, in 2018, when it comes to just the MCU, right, which is probably about half of the movies that they're making when it comes to the, the mainstream perception, right, there's the MCU and then there's the X-Men universe, the, the X-Men cinematic universe, which is Deadpool and all the X-Men movies, but... They're, they are making more MCU movies. Just to keep up with the MCU, 
you're looking at four movies and eight television shows, all sharing the same universe. Granted, you don't have to watch all of them in order to keep up. But if you are getting into Daredevil, you're probably going to want to watch Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. You're probably going to want to watch the Inhumans television show if you're a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, you're probably going to want to keep up with The Punisher um, in case you're uh, a fan of Spider-Man. Just throwing that out there. I don't think they've linked it. Once again, I haven't seen a lot of these shows. But it's always possible that they link it later. So for a lot of people, it feels like you have to keep up. Once again, this doesn't even include the comic books. Marvel is publishing comic books at a huge rate. I looked quickly over their website. It looks like they published 111 comics in March 2018. I'm going to round that down to 100 uh, just for easy math. Uh, but at 100 comics a month, you're talking about three comics a day in order to keep up with the comic books. Granted, once again, not all of them are superheroes, not all of them are part of the same universe, but we are still talking about 100 comics a month. That's a lot to keep up with. So when it comes to superhero saturation, now that I've listed everything, let's talk about kind of my perception of what this means because the mainstream perception is clearly that there are too many superhero movies. It seems like the only big name superhero movies or the only big name movies that are coming out are all superhero movies. The Avengers is coming out. Uh, Black Panther is coming out to the point that even Star Wars seems to be buried behind these superhero movies at times. Uh, you don't hear too many people talking about Star Wars anymore and I believe that came out in December. Um, we're all talking about Black Panther instead, which came out in February. It's crazy to me that so many superhero movies have made it, and they are successful, and I do enjoy them. Is it too much? I'm going to say it's not too much for me. But this becomes much more of a personal thing, because I am picking and choosing what I am watching. I am watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, I'm staying away from the X-Men universe for the time being. I will get to it. I hear Deadpool is amazing. Uh, but for now, I'm sticking to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And when it comes to the television shows, once again, I'm pretty much staying away from a lot of what's going on. I'm watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that's it. If I were trying to keep up with every storyline in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right now that would be too much for me eight television shows, four movies in, 20, in, in a year is a lot to ask uh, to, to keep up with this storyline. But for a lot of people, even the idea of the MCU is too much for them because we are talking about several movies a year uh, as opposed to, let's say, Star Wars where it was just like three movies or Lord of the Rings, which was just three movies, and they never came out the same year. They would space them out a year. Uh, I remember Harry Potter uh, was, then that ended up being eight movies, uh, but they were basically one a year. They never gave you three or four to watch in a single year. That was deemed too much. But with Marvel, especially since they got bought out by Disney and started making their own movies, 
decided, no, we can have people watch multiple movies a year in the same storyline. And it's been an interesting take on what is too much for the average moviegoer because they are still making money on every movie that they're doing. Many movies that they're doing become the biggest hits of the year. They make the top 10 almost every year that they come out, even if they are not necessarily well-received, like Thor The Dark World, which was arguably the worst MCU movie. At least it was my least favorite, and it seems to have uh, the lowest ratings out of all the uh, MCU movies to this point. I assume the Fantastic Four doesn't count in that. I think they were trying, but they just abandoned it when it didn't do well. But Thor The Dark World, still a huge hit even though it didn't necessarily get the best reviews. It's still popular, they're still making money, and as a result, they are going to continue making these movies. They're also going to continue making the television shows, even when they have to cancel them. Uh, I assume they're going to cancel Inhumans. I've heard terrible, terrible things. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it was just bad. Uh, they're going to continue doing miniseries where they have people come together, like in The Defenders. Um, they're going to have uh, things like Agent Carter where they do small little spin-offs. Because these were successful, they were relatively w well received and they're making money. At what point is it too much? That's really a personal thing. And for me, it's not too much right now. There have been superhero TV shows and movies in the past. It's never been this much though. Uh, I can think of one time, I believe Wonder Woman um, the Incredible Hulk and Shazam were all coming out at the same time, and that was deemed too much at the time. And those were in the, those were in the seventies. If you want to laugh, feel free to watch some old Incredible Hulk clips. Uh, Wonder Woman too, but Incredible Hulk was so much funnier, and then Shazam was just terrible. Um, but there were movie there were movies and TV shows coming out, especially in the 70s when it came to Marvel, um, but it was never to the extent that it is now, where we're looking at 17 television shows in one year just from Marvel. In DC, we were looking at 15 shows, uh, and so we're talking what is that? 32 shows, 32 television shows, um, five and six live action movies and 12 animated movies, plus somewhere around 150 comics a month. There are so many stories being told about these superheroes on a constant basis, and it's clearly too much for any one person to be expected to keep up with. I am sure that there are people that love comic books, that love superheroes, that are keeping up with every storyline that's going on at the same time. But I think they are few and far between, and that is not the audience that these companies are trying to reach. They're trying to reach the mainstream people, the mainstream audience. They're trying not just to reach the 12-year-old male comic book reader that's been the stereotype for decades. Whether that's still true or not, I honestly don't know. Uh, but they're not trying to reach that kid. They're trying to reach his entire family. And with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they've been doing that pretty well. It looks like there's going to be some big changes to that this year. Um, but I'm not sure 
whether those changes are going to mean more people or less people going to the, the theaters. If I had to throw out a guess right now, I would probably say less um, because it sounds like some of the original Avengers aren't going to be making it uh, too, too many more movies along. But these are just rumors that I've heard. Um, and it does seem like they're trying to set up the next generation, at least in the movies that I've seen so far. So it wouldn't surprise me um, if the numbers went down but ultimately, this is something that is not necessarily a fad. I don't think you can call it a fad anymore when we're talking seven, eight years of this going on. If you want to talk Iron Man 1, we're talking 10 years now of Marvel being huge and DC kind of lagging along. Because when it comes down to it, Marvel is making a ton of money and DC is trying to keep up by doing the same thing and not doing it so well at least not as well as Marvel is. So that's why I wanted to talk about the superhero saturation. Is it too much? How much is too much? And ultimately, it's a personal thing. And you have to decide for yourself what is going to be too much for you and what you want to keep up with. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is new. And for a lot of people, it is too much. For me personally, it's not. But for a lot of people, it is and then for other people, you're just kind of begging for more. So that is superhero saturation done. And I've hit the hour mark, uh, according to my little timer here. So let's kind of briefly go over the wild card. I'll try to keep this short, but it is a long story because we are talking about a couple months here. Um, so as many of you saw on my channel, I uploaded some vlogs uh, for our trip to Portland. Uh, Hannah and I went up there, hung out for about a week. Uh, in the first week of February. Uh, when we came back, I was able to record, uh, believe, two sessions, and then my voice went out. Uh, I got the flu pretty hard. It was a bad year for the flu, so it's not too surprising. I got the flu shot earlier in the year, but the, the flu season lasted so long that the strain that got me was not the strain in the vaccine, so it made sense that I got it. Uh, it hit me hard and my voice went out and was out for about four to six weeks. Uh, I, I, I did have a voice. I could speak, but it was so raspy, so bad that it, it just wasn't worth it to record. So I stuck away from recording for a while and I uploaded some silent content, uh, played some games that I thought the narrator would speak enough to make it uh, at least halfway entertaining. So I played Serena and the Stanley Parable. Uh, I posted on Patreon my conclusions and reviews of those games since I wasn't able to do it in the Let's Play because I couldn't speak at all. Uh, but I was able to finally start speaking again and started uploading and getting back up to speed after a while. I am fully back. As you can hear, I don't have any problems anymore, but there were some issues going on with my cough uh, that caused some issues. To, just to let you know, not only was my voice gone, I was coughing, which was probably contributing to my voice being gone. Um, it was a pretty nasty cough. I, when I went to the doctor, they gave me uh, a cough suppressant specifically for it, and I was still pretty much coughing all the time, taking cough drops, um, and it was a hard cough. Uh, it was a cough that I've never really had before. Um, there, were, there were definitely some times when I would 
cough just a little, but then my lungs would just blow everything out so that my, my lungs would be empty by the end of this one long cough. It was very strange. But I actually coughed so hard uh, that I bruised a couple muscles uh, in my torso. The first one was kind of below my abs. Um, I had to actually check to make sure it wasn't a hernia at one point. Like, oh, uh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just pulled it coughing. Uh, then I pulled two different spots on my ribs. Uh, one of them still hurts a bit, uh, but I coughed so hard that I bruised my ribs. So it, it was pretty serious. Um, I finished all the medicine that the doctor gave me. He gave me both a cough suppressant and um, a high dose of ibuprofen for uh, some night sweats and, and fever that I was getting. That was fun. Um, I, I only ended up taking a little bit less than a week off of work, but considering I had just taken a week off for vacation and then I got sick and took basically a week off again uh, I was desperately behind on work but I was able to catch up finally after some overtime hours um, but I did that pretty much entirely while I still didn't have a voice anyway um, I am I, well I should mention that after I finished all my medicine from the doctor which I went probably about a week after I got um, after I got sick and I finished the medication probably like two or three weeks after um, I went to the doctor. I then bought like a whole thing of Dayquil and Nyquil, and I downed both of those bottles. I was taking um, cough syrup and uh, cough drops, and the cough just kept on lingering on. Um, but it was never to the point that I was scared. Um, I knew that I didn't have bronchitis or pneumonia or anything like that. The doctor was a little scared about ear infections, but um, that's nothing new for me. I get those all the time, or at least I did when I was a kid, so I'm not scared of those at all. Uh, it wasn't anything that was scary. It just wasn't going away. And that was the main issue and why this took so long to make. Uh, the original plan was maybe I will get thing this done before I went to Portland. That was the original plan. I, I did not meet that. I ran out of time uh, doing the videos that uh, I had to publish while I was in Portland. So that didn't happen. And then I got sick when I got back. So I ended up going, I believe, two and a half months without doing a podcast. And that upset me because I started it thinking I would at least be able to do it once a month. And that is still the plan. I still want to do it at least once to, once a month, but this sickness did throw me off. Um, it, it was bad, but it is gone now. So I hope that you guys will forgive me for that. I, I do hate that I wasn't able to actually get uh, the recordings done for several weeks. Um, I did what I could to get something out there, but now I am back and I am hopefully going to be able to do this again and again. So that is going to do it for this ScubaCast. If you guys did like it, please remember to leave a like. I am still trying to get this out there onto iTunes and other podcast stuff. It's actually surprisingly difficult to do that, so I'm still working on that, but I am going to try to make this as available as possible. Um, if you guys are seeing this or hearing this somewhere that is not my YouTube channel, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ballerscuba. I upload Let's Plays there normally, 
I'm doing uh, RPGs for the most part, uh, but any game that I think piques my interest when it comes to story or characters or unique gameplay, I usually do something like that there. Um, if you guys do want to help support the Scuba Cast, there is Patreon available for you. Uh, that's where I'm going to post um, pretty much as soon as this goes up. I'm going to post uh, the opportunity to vote on what will be talked about next time. Uh, if you guys do want to talk about uh, any of the topics that I'd mentioned today, I'll bring it up in the third Scuba Cast as well. But the main topic that gets voted on at Patreon. That is patreon.com slash ballerscuba. I'm plugging stuff just in case you are unfamiliar with me and what I do. But that is going to do it for this Scuba cast. I've been Baller Scuba. I've been joined by nobody. Well, I've been joined by my dog. I got a new dog. I'm very happy about that. Still need to do some videos on her, though. Hope you guys have enjoyed this Scuba cast. Hope you laughed. Hope you learned. Hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>